Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChumbaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at chumpacasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Three, two, one. It's nine after the hour. Welcome. It is Eric Erickson here. News 95.5 AM 750 WSB, the nation's most listened to news talk station. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB talk. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, I've got two stories here. Uh, They are the same story and yet unrelated. Uh, And they're both involving things that happened in Georgia today that are making national news. Uh, And you probably haven't heard about them anywhere else. So, uh, well, one of them I'm sure you have. The other one you probably have not yet. Let me break these down for you. Uh, This is just a fascinating dynamic of what's happening now. Uh, The very dangerous dynamic of what's happening now. Uh, By the way, the phone number again, 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. The dean of UGA's journalism school, Charles Davis, put up a tweet earlier today. Charles Davis, dean at UGA's journalism school, calling Brian Kemp a nice guy. They grew up together. They they've known each other. Um, not commenting on his politics, just he, he knows him to be a nice guy. He has had to post an apology. Quote, I'd like to apologize to anyone offended by my tweet. Shout out to Brian Kemp. It was ill-timed and poorly written. I've read and learned so much from you all and will endeavor to be more thoughtful. Um, all he did was say he knows he's a nice guy. That's, that's it. Uh, that's what he put up. And he's been attacked by the Twitter mob. Uh, his tweet, let me read you his specific tweet just so you understand what he's apologizing for. I went to high school with Republican gubernatorial candidate and he is actually GOP gov candidate. I'm interpreting. I went to high school with Brian Kemp. We played YMCA ball from childhood politics. Be damned. He's a nice guy. Always was kind to a fault. He's a friend always has been and will be when we're older and grayer. That's how it should work. People. The Twitter mob has come for him. Students at UGA demanding that he take this down. Demanding. Uh, Here's one. 
You're a straight white man. Of course he was nice and kind to you. Racists are generally nice to their own kind. Why don't you say what you really mean? You never vote for a black woman and would rather vote for the white racist. Here's another one. It's the definition of privilege. The dean has the luxury of damning politics because no politician is threatening his rights, safety, or survival. He is willing to empower those that would threaten the same of others on account of the candidate being nice to him personally. Holy moly. I mean, the, the mob has come out and beat down the dean of journalism at UGA for daring to say that, uh, regardless of his politics, Brian Kemp's a nice guy. Uh, this is what we were facing. This is why Donald Trump is president of the United States, folks. I mean, holy moly, this is just insane. Now, this comes on the heels of Sean Newcomb at the Braves. Back when he was 18 years old, um, how old is he now? Um, I read it in an article the other day, and now I have forgotten. But this is in, and this comes on the heels of others um, for what they did in other teams. The Milwaukee Brewers have a, a situation now, but Sean Newcomb is under attack for tweets that he made when he was 18 years old. 18 years old, folks. He's 25 now. He's 25. Uh, when he was 18, he quoted on Twitter. On Twitter, he quoted the lyrics of a Drake song called The Motto that included the N-word. He, all he was doing was quoting lyrics. It was very clear he was quoting lyrics. Uh, and then there is, uh, he referred to someone uh, by a... a as they say these days, homophobic slur, uh, a couple of times he wanted to. And uh, one tweet was, uh, this this gay black kid won't stop presenting about black hair. I want to leave. I, 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 don't, I don't even know the context of it. But that, that is the tweet. And these are being pulled up and circulated and demands from the social media mob that he be fired by the Braves for tweets that happened when he was 18 years old in 2011 and 2012. The Braves are saying he's apologized, he's deleted the tweets, and uh, they're ready to move on. The social justice warrior mob is not ready to move on from either the dean of the UGA uh, Journalism School or from the Atlanta Braves or from the Milwaukee Brewers um, it, it, we're seeing this happen more and more as, as people are dredging up old tweets. We've seen it with James Gunn. Uh, his tweets accused of, of making jokes about or supporting pedophilia were taken out of context. He had some highly inappropriate tweets even without them being taken out of context. Um, but uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy cast uh, releasing a letter today saying they don't condone what he tweeted, but it was years ago. And they think everybody deserves another chance. We're seeing Rian Johnson, the guy who ruined The Last Jedi, going through and preemptively treating. I got to tell you, I've gone back and I've deleted everything out of my Twitter account. Every single thing. Um, and not because I'm worried about the Twitter mob coming to get me now, but what happens 10 years from now? Uh, I see people dredging up tweets of mine from a decade ago, some of which are taken out of context, some of which I said and apologized for, and they're still holding, holding it over my head. Look at what you said. Pay no attention to the fact that it was a decade ago. If you've got kids, by the way, if you've got kids, 
you probably want them not to be on Twitter. In fact, you may not want them to be on social media at all, particularly not Snapchat and probably not Twitter. Twitter, the stock price is beginning to suffer over these things. The the social there are people, malcontented souls, typically in their twenties or twenties and their fifties. For some reason, there's a lot of overlap that in emoji use and, and anger on Twitter. And they go through people's old tweets trying to find bad things, in some cases things taken out of context, and they, in some cases things apologized for. They ignore the apology and go after the original tweet and try to ruin the person. You're not going to be able to find a job in this country soon based on decade-old tweets. You will be chased out of your job. We're seeing this happen in random businesses. There was a story just a couple weeks ago. I can't remember all the details now, but I know we talked about it a couple weeks ago where some random person who worked at a restaurant had old tweets of hers tracked down. I mean, literally five, six years ago. And she was driven out of her job at the restaurant for the things she had said five years prior uh, to it because of the social justice mob. And here it is happening now. We've got two different stories in Georgia. One of them, all it was was the UGA dean saying that this person w- was a nice guy. Take politics out of it, respective of poli- irrespective of politics. But what we're seeing, particularly with younger social justice warriors, the, the millennial college kids, is that politics is so connected to morality, politics has become their religion. You, you can't look at someone's policy and say, I disagree with this person because that policy that you disagree with, well, it's infringing someone's rights, it's treating someone as a second-class citizen, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Never mind that it's not. It's an actual policy difference, but they have so uh, wrapped politics and morality together into a religion that you're not allowed to say, I like this guy even if I disagree with his politics because his politics is actually a values, morals, judgment on that person, and they're coming for him. And they're coming for you based on, on prior to you will be made to care, someone once said. In fact, there's this great book out somebody wrote a few years ago called You Will Be Made to Care. You should probably go buy that book and read it where this is well documented. Um, remember, uh, Archbishop Chaput up in Philadelphia has this great quote I, I use all the time that uh, evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant and then it seeks to silence good. And we are seeing that in this country. The people who once peddled tolerance are now saying, shut up, go away, lose your job and be ruined unless you now suddenly conform to my views. And it's happening right now to a player on the Atlanta Braves and the dean of the College of Journalism at UGA for things, well, one of them just saying something nice about someone and the other for something he said when he was 18 years old in 2011. There is no grace among social justice warriors. Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank. And it's sometimes very difficult, and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the Internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked with all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy no matter what you do online your mobile carrier internet service providers they're tracking you doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company wherever you're getting your internet from you're probably being tracked with ExpressVPN your internet data is encrypted your IP address is hidden ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month 
It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. It is 26 after the hour. The full number 404 872 WSB Talk. Uh, let's go to the phones. Tom from Tucker, you're up first. Welcome. Hey, well, uh, thank you, Eric. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Sure. You know, I it bothers me that people don't have a spine and businesses don't have a spine to stand up to these clowns and these bullies and just tell them, you know, deal with it. I mean, this professor did nothing wrong. Somebody right. that, you know, you and I had people that we went to high school with have gone on to be famous, infamous, but, you know, yeah. we knew them as people. Right. And why he didn't say, hey, I was talking about the person, I wasn't talking about the the, the politics, uh, deal with it. Well, and, and, you know, opinion, he, he, he I, made I that clear opinion, to and, begin with, and they they shut him down over that, that he, he wasn't commenting on his politics, and, and they didn't care because, you know, he, he's not an oppressed class, according to his critics. Well, you know, all this oppressed class and all this other stuff is, oh, probably the biggest bunch of... Um, hooey, hooey, you can say uh, hooey yeah, on the radio. Yeah, uh, <laughs> cow cow, I, I'm a dairy farmer. Cow manure the, that is, goes on in life. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's it's on it's systemic of the problem our country has as a whole. Yeah. You know, a hundred years ago, when the immigrants, my grandparents, came to this country, they came to the country, they assimilated into society, and they learned the language. Uh huh. Nowadays, everybody wants to invade because they don't come here legally, and then demand that we speak their language. You know, uh, in Gwinnett County, I'm sorry, but the language of the United States is English. There is no reason on God's green earth why they have to have Spanish ballots for an American election. There, you, Listen, you, I completely agree with you on that. i got to let you go there because we've got a hard break coming up. Um, but yes, uh, it is... We used to be a melting pot where all the cultures poured in together and we were one unified mass. But now they, they like to say we're a salad bowl where everybody keeps their individual distinctiveness. Uh, there, there's no assimilation anymore. It's bad if you do that. It, the whole thing is ridiculous. When we come back, uh, Delta, it has the tax break it wanted that Casey Cagle said they'd never get. I'll tell you how they got it without the legislature doing anything. Big surprise today from our governor when we come back. It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Let me do a quick check of the radar. Out in Carroll County, you've got some heavy rain in the Carrollton area. 
Uh, also, you got some light showers in the just north of the airport uh, on the connector, south part of the connector, where 85 and 75 come together. Langford Parkway, that area in, in East Point, you've got some sprinkles. Also, some sprinkles in the Druid Hills and Decatur area. They're mostly, though, the really strong stuff is in uh, way south Georgia, so we are good right now. The phone number here, 404-872-0750, wsb talk um, Before I go back to the phones, I do want to bring you up to speed on what the governor has done. And I am i don't know that this does uh, any favors to Brian Kemp's campaign. It, it doesn't, to me, seem like this was a smart political thing for the governor to do. It just creates chaos in the governor's race, and that is he has, Georgia law allows the governor to suspend the collection of sales taxes that he designates until the legislature convenes. In other words, the governor can, he's he's forcing this to become a political issue for the next general assembly. He, the governor is making this into a bigger political issue than Casey Cagle did by saying Delta wasn't going to get it back. And the governor has decided to suspend the collection of the sales tax on Delta's uh, jet fuel. He did it by executive order. And according to the law, he is, uh, has the power to do it. But that power only goes through the next until uh, the convening of the legislature in January. So I this is going to become a campaign issue that would not otherwise have been a campaign issue. And I'm just not sure that it helps really either candidate. Uh, so Stacey Abrams, she's going to campaign on on keeping the tax. Uh, is Brian Kemp campaigns on getting rid of the tax? Uh, what what what's he going to do? Um, I just I don't know. I think they shouldn't have done. He shouldn't have done this one, particularly right now as we head into a general election. Um, it'd be one thing if Casey Cagle were the nominee, but I don't think this helps Brian Kemp. Although I will say there have been a number of analyses, uh, the Weekly Standard, the New York Times, and others on this race between Brian Kemp and Stacey Abrams. And they all reached the same conclusion. Even the 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 fake news New York Times, as the president would say, uh, they all reached the same conclusion that this really isn't a race that Stacey Abrams is going to be able to win unless everything goes in her way. And the real issue here is the cultural biases against Democrats in Georgia. While black voters will turn out significantly for Stacey Abrams, uh, Hispanic voters and white voters, not necessarily. And white voters will turn out at a dominant pace. And there really is no indication that she's been able to register all the people she claims or that she will be able to register all the people she wants to be able to register. And the structural institutions in Georgia, including the lack of money and organization from the state Democratic Party and elsewhere, all kind of work against her. It's possible. It's just not likely. 
Um, so the, again, the New York Times, the Weekly Standard, and others, they're all looking at this race, so they're all coming to the same conclusion that this is still a Republican state. There is still a gap in the turnout between Republicans and Democrats, and Abrams' progressivism, liberalism, if anything, might incite further Republican turnout in November in a place like Georgia. 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. To the phones we go, um, man... Okay, there it is. <laughs> Y'all, I guess I'm, I'm I'm getting to the point where even stuff far away looks really small now, and I'm having to zoom into the screen so that I can see Charles from Grayson. You're on the line. I wouldn't see your name otherwise. <laughs> I think I'm getting to the point where I need like like the, those those reading glasses. You know, Eric, you remember that old Lionel Playworld uh, advertisement say, if, "If we don't have it, nobody does." Yeah. If, if you don't have the information. Nobody does. That's the way I feel about you. I appreciate and, it. And uh, the question I was asking, a friend of mine saw over the over the weekend on Fox that this guy was saying that uh, Brian Kemp was the underdog in this gubernatorial race. And you basically just answered that earlier. You know, I was, I was saying I don't know where he get that information from. Brian Kemp, the underdog in this gubernatorial race. Yeah, they, they, listen, he's not the underdog, and this is Republican spin, and it is primarily uh, for fundraising. You say he's the underdog and he needs national cash because Stacey Abrams uh, has an advantage and she's got all this liberal cash. Uh, they're going to see the, the money open up, pouring into the Republican Governor Association, pouring into Brian Kemp's campaign, and it, it, it's what campaigns do. Every, every candidate likes to be called the underdog. None of them actually like to be the underdog. They all like to be called the underdog. And this is a Republican spin right now, but they're being helped by an aggressive PR campaign for Stacey Abrams. She's on the cover of Time magazine and elsewhere uh, of, of that making it sound like this is inevitable, that Georgia has flipped that. But honestly, uh, Charles, if you and I had a nickel for every time there was a story about the demographics in Georgia have shifted enough that it's going to be a Democratic takeover, the, we could be millionaires right now. These are the same stories you hear all the time now about Texas as well, that, that Texas is suddenly, Texas is going to be the, the next great state to flip. And I, I think that's nonsense. Uh, it, it is, it, this is all spin and a lot of it is fundraising spin by both sides trying to build up. Stacey Abrams needs Democrats to think there is a really viable shot of her getting elected so they'll pour money into her campaign. And frankly, Brian Kemp needs people to think that Stacey Abrams has a real viable shot so people pour money into his campaign. Both campaigns benefit by Stacey Abrams having a high profile right now. Eric Erickson and Atlanta's Evening News. Who is that guy? I love the information you need and the truth you demand every night on News 95.5 and AM 750 WSB. Atlanta's Evening News is sponsored by Comcast Business. WSB's Clark Howard is here to help you save more, spend less, and avoid getting ripped off. Sponsored by Mark Spain Real Estate. It is 55 after the hour. The phone number, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Jim and Decatur, you're next. Welcome. Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? Doing well, thank you. Um, this is a incredible case of the left in, in uh, regards to Charles Davis. Uh, I 
happened to know him and Brian Kemp. And, uh, you know, we're not best friends, but I've had political discussions with Mr. Davis, and he's pretty liberal. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, it's just amazing what's going on. And he's, he's a really nice guy on top of that. Uh, yeah, yeah. I think I've I've encountered him once uh, at a conference. I, I think, uh, and it struck me as a very nice guy, even if we might have disagreed on stuff. It may not be. I think it was anyway. I but this is what we're seeing more and more are, are commentators and, and activists on the left and the right who don't want you to be able to have friends who disagree with you politically. I I think we're all worse off because of that. Uh, descending into our bubbles. You, you know, Jim, as a matter of fact, there's a story out today that red areas in the United States, red, Republican areas, I should say, and Democrat areas, liberal and conservative areas in this country are actually becoming the liberal areas more liberal and the conservative areas more conservative, essentially um, tearing at the edges between them as liberal areas and conservative areas double down on their, their policies and fewer and fewer people out there actually have friends who disagree with them politically, it, it becomes a lot easier to view the other side, not as political opponents, but as malevolent forces, evil, if you will, when you don't know anyone and, and you don't like anyone who disagrees with you politically. And both sides right now really have a vested interest in this, although i got to tell you, from my vantage point, it seems to me the left is more likely to do this than the right, largely because l- look at the Atlanta area, for example, just demographically. It is far more likely for a conservative in the Atlanta area to encounter a liberal than it is for a liberal in the Decatur area to knowingly encounter a conservative on a daily basis. In, in particular, look at that map of the New York Times, very detailed, precinct by precinct, and what you find is that progressive areas are much more bubbly than conservative areas simply because there are so many people there of uniform belief. It, it's hard to find people who disagree. It is 8 after the hour. I'm Eric Erickson. This is Atlanta's Evening News. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. And I've got to say something out, out of the gate right now. Even before I give the phone number, I am shifting gears from what I wanted to talk about this hour because there's a breaking news story that I suspect, for reasons I will explain to you, is not going to be a major national story, and this should be a major national story. And the reason it won't be a major national story is because for the last eight years, the American political press has poo-pooed any idea that this was a possibility. And yet, here we go. We have a huge case developing nationally, uh, and it's not going to get the press that it would uh, it deserves, frankly. Uh, now, the phone number here, 404-872-0750-1800, WSB Talk. A Jordan, I'm reading from a press release that just came out uh, from the Department of Justice. A friend from the White House flagged this story for me in email during the break and said, I, I, this has to be on my radar, and, and my eyebrows went up when I saw it. A Jordanian national residing in Monterey, Mexico, 
was arrested Saturday on arrival at JFK International Airport to face a criminal complaint issued in the Western District of Texas for his role in a scheme to smuggle special interest aliens from Mexico into the United States. Now, what are special interest aliens? Well... On May 29th, an arrest warrant was issued pursuant to a criminal complaint, which alleges that in the latter half of 2017, Moyed Haider Mohammed Aldari, 31, conspired with others to smuggle six Yemeni nationals across the Texas border and into the United States in exchange for a fee. Now, if you don't know, Yemeni nationals are not some sort of sub-branch of a Mexican cartel. Yemeni nationals are from the country of Yemen, which has had a hotbed surge of al-Qaeda and ISIS terrorist activity in which the Saudis, the Bahrainians, and the uh, Emiratis are in a war with. Aldari was presented before U.S. Magistrate Judge Marilyn Goh in New York for his appearance, and he was ordered held pending transfer to the Western District of Texas. Aldari allegedly smuggled six Yemeni citizens across the Mexican border into the United States. Allegedly smuggled, meaning already did. Alien smuggling puts our national security at risk. The arrest of Aldari showcases uh, Homeland Security's unique ability to coordinate investigative efforts across international boundaries with multiple countries. Now, this should be getting all sorts of attention, should it not? As the president uh, wants to build his wall. And by the way, there is a story out today, the president saying that he wants to build a wall. And he wants to shut down the government if the government's not willing to fund the wall. This seems to me that this should be a big story here. I cannot tell you, I, I believe even PolitiFact in the last few years has ran a story denying that there were any efforts to smuggle terrorists across the border into the United States. Now, again, this press report doesn't say they were terrorists, if you want to hang on to that. So someone uh, uh, in in Muslim who lives in Monterey, Mexico, is smuggling Yemeni citizens into the United States. For what purpose? This should be a big story. But the media won't like the implications for the story, and so you're probably not going to hear a ton about this story in the American political press, which is a shame um, when it needs to be highlighted. That's my job, I guess. Now, as I was mentioning, the president has said he's willing to shut down the government this fall to fund the border wall. This is as much political as it is policy. The president no doubt wants the border wall, but he also thinks this is a winning issue for him headed into November. Why? I am being told by pollsters Republican pollsters in particular across the nation, and I've talked to pollsters for multiple campaigns in Tennessee, in Georgia, in Arkansas, in, I'm trying to think where else I've talked to them, Ohio is one, and even in North Dakota in the Heidi Heights camp race up there. 
So North Dakota, Ohio, Arkansas, Tennessee, Georgia, and there's one more I've talked to. Maybe one of the Carolinas. I can't remember. Anyway, um, that the Nebraska, Nebraska. I'm sorry, Nebraska. That that's it's one of the wild cards. Nebraska. What is the number one issue among voters in these states? The number one issue. Immigration. Among Republican voters in particular, immigration. It is a huge, huge issue among Republicans and independent voters. But again, independent voters are Republicans who are too ashamed to call themselves Republicans these days. But even among independent voters, immigration is a huge issue. And this issue overall plays to the Republican side. Immigration is becoming a hot-button issue that causes voters who do not like the president to gravitate to the president. And the president is smart enough to know this, and the president is smart enough to turn the border wall into a political issue and cause a government shutdown to demand money for the wall. And despite all of the Democratic screaming and complaining, the fact of the matter is this issue works for Republicans. It works for Republicans in Missouri against Claire McCaskill. It works for Republicans in um, West Virginia against Joe Manchin. It works for Republicans in Indiana against Joe Donnelly. It works for Republicans in North Dakota against Heidi Heiskamp. It works for Republicans in Florida against Bill Nelson. It works really well for Republicans, and the Democrats are playing into this, having dragged out the clock on funding the president's border wall. And now here comes the story from the Department of Justice that a Jordanian national living in Monterey, Mexico, has smuggled six Yemeni citizens into the United States who were thankfully caught by the Department of Homeland Security. And, and notice, they were caught previously this is not a new story. This is something that, that is an old story that has not gotten significant attention by the national press or anyone else. Why hasn't it? I would submit to you the reason the story has not gotten national attention is because, again, the media during Barack Obama's years spent so much uh, in terms of resources and reporting disputing the notion that an unsecured border was a national security weakness that now they can't bring themselves to point out or cover a story about a Jordanian national bringing Yemeni citizens into this country illegally because it undermines their credibility over the last 10 years of their reporting saying this is no big deal. Is it any wonder that so few people in this country on the left or the right really trust the press anymore? Let me take a quick time out to thank this week's sponsor, ExpressVPN. Now, you may not need a VPN. I do for my work, and I've been trying to find a good one that isn't going to break the bank, and it's sometimes very difficult and it's hard to set up. For those of you who don't know what a VPN is, a virtual private network, uh, it lets you privately and securely use the internet at fast speeds without being tracked by anyone. Oftentimes, you have companies that require you to have a VPN into their um, system, and you just, you, sometimes you need them so you can't be tracked. With all the news coming out about data hacks and breaches, it's hard for me not to be worried about my digital privacy. No matter what you do online, your mobile carrier, internet service providers, they're tracking you. Doesn't matter what your cable company is or your phone company, wherever you're getting your internet from, you're probably being tracked. With ExpressVPN, your internet data is encrypted. Your IP address is hidden. ExpressVPN covers less than 7 bucks a month. It's rated the number one VPN service by TechRadar and dozens of expert reviewers. It has easy-to-use apps that run seamlessly in the background of your computer, your phone, your tablet. Yes, you can use them on your phone and tablet. If you're on unsecure Wi-Fi and you want to keep hackers and spies from seeing your data, ExpressVPN is for you. 
Now, to take back your internet privacy today, to find out how you can get three free months, go to expressvpn.com slash Eric. That's E-X-P-R-E-S-S-V-P-N dot com slash Eric for three months free with a one-year package. Every day you use the internet without ExpressVPN, you're putting sensitive information at risk. So don't put this off. Protect your online data with ExpressVPN today. Visit expressvpn.com slash Eric to learn more. way too many windows open on my computer right now. I do have a call. Look at this. I am going to go to the phones. Yes, I have time. I'm going to go to the phones. And Tristan, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm good. All right. So I I know how old you are because they put it in the call screening, but tell everybody else. Okay. So I think that uh, Donald Trump should build a wall or... Since he can't build a wall, he should start a GoFundMe page or a supporting page so people can donate monies to help Donald Trump build the wall and and get a tax refund for the money they paid for, well, donated to the wall uh, next back year. Tristan, I think that's a great idea. Now, tell, tell everybody how old you are. Twelve and a half. That's fantastic, and it's also a great idea. And you're also right about the tax refund. That if you donate money to the federal government, if they would set up an account like this, they could get a they could get a, a deduction or a credit for what they've donated. In fact, there are several members of Congress who are floating this idea. And I have said before, Tristan, that the President of the United States got over 60 million votes. If all of those people donated a hundred dollars, they could totally pay for his border wall based on the estimate. And I think a lot of those people would be willing to contribute. I would be willing to contribute more. Yes. Yep, I I think so. Listen, thanks very much for calling in. I appreciate the idea. Do a Kickstarter. Do a GoFundMe. Uh, I think it is a great way for the president to fund this border wall. Now, not all those 60 million people are going to fund the border wall. Not all of them can give $100 even. But you could go a long way towards making a dent in it. And more importantly, you could actually show people that there are a great many Americans, a significant number of Americans who actually support and believe this. Is, I would gladly contribute to building the border wall. I would I would donate money in a separate fund from my taxes. I don't even need the tax credit or the deduction. I am happy. To, I strongly support the building of a border wall. And I've got friends of mine who get upset with me for this is not going to do any good. I get these arguments all the time. I get them from friends. Folks, we are not securing our southern border. And while there are lots of people who say, well, we can use surveillance and, and enhance techniques and technology to secure the border, we're not doing it. I've just spent the last segment uh, talking about a Jordanian national who was able to smuggle six Yemeni nationals into the country. Now, they got caught, thankfully, but not everybody who crosses the border gets caught. We wouldn't have an illegal immigration problem in this country if that was the case. So I would submit to you that we need to do something. Man, and now I'm looking at this this list of stuff, and I haven't even gotten to where I wanted to. Uh, there's so much other stuff I wanted to get to, including, folks, Bernie Sanders 
You know, he and Kamala Harris and, and the, the socialist girl from Brooklyn who's probably going to become a, a Congress critter, they want Medicaid for all. This is their solution now to Obamacare, which essentially they're admitting Obamacare is, is too deeply flawed to sustain, and they want Medicare or Medicaid for everyone in the country. Well, guess what? Um, the Urban Institute has come out with a study of costs. And they say it'll cost $32 trillion. $32 trillion. In other words, you could tax every American 100% of their income and you're not going to be able to pay for this plan. Now, what's really getting attention is actually the Mercatus Institute that came up with this cost estimate. And they're matching the Urban Institute, which came out in 2016, saying the same thing. Except the Koch brothers are being attacked because the Koch brothers fund the Mercatus Institute. But all they're doing is saying the Urban Institute got it right, that this would cost $32 trillion, with a T, trillion dollars to fund. It's 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. i got to bring you up to speed on your commute because it is starting to get rainy out there in parts. If you're headed up 575, just north of the 75 split, you're going to hit some rain. If you are headed up north of Alpharetta on 400, you're going to get some heavy showers. If you're on I-20 inside the perimeter, mostly on the west side, you got some heavy rain and down the connector to the 85 split north of the airport. And then when you head out I-20, really the strongest stuff is at Villa Rica over I-20 right now, headed towards Alabama. And Carroll County and, and Douglas County, the, the particularly the western part of Douglas County, you got a lot of rain headed down 85 and 75 south of the city. You're fine uh, until you get down towards Macon. There is some rain in the area. Um, north side, yeah, you're mostly fine other than those spots I've already mentioned. So just make sure your headlights are on. And we're getting to that point in the year where the hours are getting shorter. It's getting darker sooner. And your kids, hallelujah, praise Jesus, are about to go back to school. It's kind of getting that time, is it not? Um, y'all, David Pluff, you know, David Pluff, I'm sure. I'm sure, you know, David Pluff, David Pluff was Barack Obama's strategist for a while. And then he went off and, and worked on a group, uh, that's trying to help Hillary Clinton. There are a lot of Democrats who think he's way overrated. I want to read you a quote. Uh, this is from a book coming out, Obama on, uh, an oral history. This is Corey Robin, who is writing this. Uh, he says of David Pluff, quote, this is a direct quote from David Pluff. There was strategy. Lifting up Trump as the identity of the Republican Party was super helpful to us. The president went out in the briefing room to present his long-form birth certificate, but really to continue the dance with Trump. Our view was lifting up Trump at the White House Correspondents' Dinner, you know, as kind of the example of the Obama opposition. There was a strategy behind the material and the amount of time we spent on Trump. Let's really lean into Trump here. That'll be good for us. That's David Pluff on the Obama campaign strategy. They believed it was a good thing to elevate Trump within the Republican Party because they thought it could hurt the GOP. They did it because... They thought that Donald Trump as the face of the GOP would give the Democrats some sort of permanent, inevitable win. 
Uh, I think they kind of made the wrong play there, don't you? <laughs> oh, I just, I, I had a bunch I wanted to say, and then it, it, suddenly it just kind of sunk into me. Well, wait, these, these guys, they really were overrated hacks. I mean, they really were. They, they had this genius idea, we're going to elevate Donald Trump because who could possibly lose to Donald Trump? And then they nominated Hillary Clinton. So there's a buzz in D.C. today that Joe Biden and Barack Obama were seeing the local bakery together grabbing coffee. You know he is desperate for Biden to run now. And the Democrats are starting to move on. You know, we had 17 Republicans run in 2016. 17 Republicans. I can't even name them all. But remember, there was Huckabee for a while. There was Santorum. There was Fiorina. There was Chris Christie, Ted Cruz, John Kasich, Jeb Bush, Honor, Marco Rubio. I mean, there were so many of them. And Donald Trump. There were 17 Republicans. How many Democrats are there going to be in 2020? And they're getting rid of superdelegates, too. So they're not going to be able to shut anybody out. You you got the mayor of Los Angeles thinking he wants to run. I saw yesterday, I was at Barnes & Noble, and Mitch Landrew, the mayor of New Orleans, has a book out, Standing in the Shadows of Statues, a, a Southerner Confronts the Past or some such. He probably wants to run for president, too you got all these Democrats, and they're going to be fighting over who can be the most radical, who can be the most socialist. And they're going to have a hard time topping Bernie Sanders, who himself probably wants to run again. Although the question is, is he getting too old? And there is a problem for the Democrats in this front. So Elizabeth Warren right now, if I had to call it, she looks to be the front runner. And the reason is because despite all of her left-wing rhetoric, uh, behind the scenes, Democrats view her as not nearly as radical as Kamala Harris. Now consider this. Democrats do not believe that the socialist from Harvard who ran the Consumer Financial Protection Board is as radical as Kamala Harris. They're both radical. It's just degrees of radicalism. And Democrats are starting to line up behind Elizabeth Warren as the inevitable pick. Except there's Joe Biden hanging out there. Now, Biden is going to be old. Uh, in fact, how old is Joe Biden right now? Uh Joe Biden is, he's 75 years old right now. Joe Biden is. So 76, uh, if he gets like, he'd be 77. He'd be into his 80s as president of the United States. Wow. Be into his 80s as president of the United States. And Barack Obama wants him to run. I mean, Democrats, mainstream Democrats want Biden to run. Uh, the president, multiple reports have said, despite his his blustering on Twitter, is a little bit concerned about Pennsylvania because there was plenty of data in Pennsylvania among voters who voted for Trump. Among voters who voted for Trump in Pennsylvania, the, the, it was only a poll conducted only in Pennsylvania, uh, but a pretty detailed poll of voters in Pennsylvania who voted for Donald Trump, the majority of them would have preferred Joe Biden enough to move the state to Joe Biden's camp. Um, Biden, believe it or not, he connects well with those people. Uh, he, he's a very nice guy. Joe Biden is actually my favorite Democrat just because I think he's a nice guy, even if I disagree with him politically. Now, now don't at me on this. Don't, don't, don't call in here angrily. Don't, don't be like uh, to me like the uh, liberal social uh, social justice warriors are to the UGA dean who happens to like Brian Kemp. He may, I, you can disagree with someone politically and think they're a nice person. 
At least you should be in a normal world. I disagree with Joe Biden. I think he sold out the cause for life. I, I, I think he's bad for business. He's bad for uh, coal miners. He's, he, he put all the litany there. I, I disagree with Joe Biden on politics and policy. But he's a nice guy, and his wife's a nice person. His wife spent uh, numerous undocumented hours at Walter Reed Hospital working with wounded veterans and never asked for a media story, refused media coverage of that, uh, has a compelling biography. But I don't think the Democrats are going to go with him. I think the Democrats have moved on. Even though they say, a majority of Democrats in a poll today, say that they want someone like Barack Obama, they don't see Joe Biden as like Barack Obama. They see him as part of a bygone era, and they are going to go full radical. And that's just going to get Donald Trump reelected in 2020. It, it is, they are making it easy for the president's reelection. It is 54 after the hour. Let's go back to the phones. All right. You got to give me your name here because the call screening program ate it. Welcome to the program. Hey. Hey there. Okay. What? Yep. What's your name? My name's Chase. Chase, thanks for calling in. I, and I'm sorry. The call screening program lost your name. It happens sometimes. <laughs> I just wanted to ask you, Eric, um, you know, we're as a young Republican voter who's only really voted in one presidential election and. You know, it turned out for the Kemp vote, uh, the state election, there's things coming up, uh, primaries and stuff like that. And a lot of young people like myself don't really know when some of these things are going to be happening. Uh, you know, we hear about some of the different people that might be running uh, on the ticket in the primary. But uh, I don't know. I just thought it was something maybe you could discuss and go through and educate. I love listening to your show. so Sure. Uh, Chase, thanks very much for the phone call. I, yes, um, let, let's walk through some of that. I'm, I mean, right now we've got uh, headed into the general election. Uh, we know for Georgia, I mean, we got the, the, the Kemp Abrams fight. If, if you're headed into 2020, in the presidential election is going to be the big one. Uh, you know, so I'm doing the resurgent gathering later this week in Texas. And I, I've largely made up my mind for next year. I've already had a couple of people reach out and say, hey, can we come uh, who want to run for president? And I'm telling them no. Uh, I, I don't think it is worth supporting or having a primary contest against President Trump. Uh, if anything, what we know now about the president, uh, we know and many of us, myself included, who had assumptions about how he would govern if he were president, uh, we've been proven right on some, but but wrong on a lot of policy. He's done very good on judges. He's done very good on uh, taxes. He's done very good on deregulation. And he's a known quantity now, and so are the Democrats. And we know what they would do. Uh, I think you're going to see a push by people like Jeff Flake and John Kasich and others to try to generate a primary opponent for the president. And I think it will fall flat. Uh, and the congressional races, I'm going to be interested to see what actually happens in Georgia in 2018. There are a couple of Republicans uh, who are vulnerable, Rob Woodall, chief among them. Uh, I still think they're going to win, but how much longer are they going to stay? We may have a big shakeup after 2018, even at the state level among congressional candidates. It's going to be interesting to see. Uh, I will be back with you guys tomorrow night before I head out to Austin. Y'all have a great night. <laughs>